the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast, can now be heard on the podbelly.com network. Visit them at www.podbelly.com. At approximately 5.15 p.m. on May 10th in 1967, three boys ages 11, 13, and 14 explore a cave near their house in Mark Twain's hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. Brothers Billy Hogue, Joel Hogue, and friend Craig Dow are never seen again. It is now 52 years later. This is their story. I'm just beginning to see Now I'm on my way It doesn't matter to me Chasing the clouds away Alright Chris, well we're back. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be doing this again with you. Yeah, back in person. We'll knock out a couple different uh, episodes here for our listening. We're getting some good responses out there, so we're excited about that. 100% listenership. That's great. Which means people are just going to the end. They're listening to all of us. Yeah, yeah. And but, maybe possibly a couple more times. And, and so we, we, must not, we must not get too boring throughout no. it. <laughs> That's why we've kept these at like 30, 37 minutes. I think it's a good commute type of way, and you know, now we can crash through them and stuff. Yeah. And so we'll release this one uh, this week, which will be uh, Monday, March. 26th, and then we'll have another episode on September 9th, which would be May 10th, 1967, part one. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a two-parter. Then our fourth episode will be March, September 23rd, episode four, which would be May 10th, 1967, part two. Yep. So Cover all the events of that uh, faithful day. It's a big day. Very big day. And you really can't do that day without getting into... Who was there? Yeah, yeah. Who the main uh, the main players are? So I think that's what this episode is about. The boys. That's right. Well, let's talk about the boys. How about that? So, uh, of course, we've mentioned their names in the last podcast. We have Billy Hogue as well as uh, Joel Hogue, which I'll refer to Joel from now on as Joey. That seemed like the the more more popular name uh, for him uh, back in the day. And then Edwin Craig Dow. So we'll kind of talk about each one of them. Billy and Joel were brothers, uh, and Billy was the youngest of the um, of the two, being 11 years old. He attended fifth grade at Stowell School. Uh, he was a curious kid, and he kind of when when I hear a description of what he was or what he looked like, he uh, he kind of reminds me of a Raggedy Ann doll. Really? Yeah, I don't know why, uh, but uh, the description is he had he had freckles and a mop of reddish hair. So he's like the good old American boy. Yeah, the the Opie. Yeah, exactly. Almost. So he always loved, of course, to tag along with his older brother, who, of course, was Joey Hogue. Joey, he was 13 years old. He was an eighth grader at Hannibal Junior High School. His passion was uh, stargazing. He loved to be out and uh, be in the te- on his telescope and uh, dreamed of being an astronaut someday. So he was definitely the venturous of, of the, the Hogue boys and loved to explore and just loved to, to be out in nature. That was really the time to be into space exploration, too. I mean, JFK makes the big speech about, you know, we'll put a man on the moon. And I think kids grow up looking to the skies a lot. And I think that that is right within the exploratory ways of who he was as a person. And so, yeah, that doesn't uh, that doesn't surprise me that they're into the space thing, too. 
Yeah, definitely. And so that uh, rounds out the three boys with Edwin Craig Dow, which everybody called him Craig. He was also uh, an eighth grader at Hannibal Junior High. He was 14 years old at the time. So him and Joey were in the same grade at uh, at Hannibal Junior High. Now, now Craig, he was kind of a loner, as, as some people said, uh, but he was very easygoing. He always liked his pullover sweaters and wingtip shoes. And uh, Craig enjoyed uh, tinkering with his bicycle. Um, but he was a very inquisitive young man and uh again kind of quiet though kind of a loner but uh, that was craig is but as you knew he also liked to go out and adventure uh, as as joey and billy did yeah not so much the cave as much as the other boys but he would definitely tag along if uh you know the ringleader there right i guess you know really i mean even though uh joey is uh you know a year younger he's definitely the more the the, the, the guy that's pulling everybody into these episodes. Yeah, definitely. Well, and the, yeah, like you said, you being that explorer type, that really, that really, and you want to have people to go with you when you do that sure. stuff. You, you want to have your, your Mark Twain childhood fun. And uh, that's what uh, Joey did with Craig and Billy. Yeah, the initial Hardy Boys, you know, and, and, you know, looking at all those stories. And I mean, these kids were definitely versed in the Mark Twain stuff. And I think the Hardy Boys come out a little bit later, I believe. But definitely picks up that whole like you know the boyhood uh, groups and the exploratory you know the exploratory sessions that they had, whether it was the forest, whether it was the caves, the river. I mean, the more we read about them, the more we realized that they were everywhere. I mean, they explored. They had an agenda when they came home from school. Well, and they were planning the agenda on the way home from school too, on the bus <laughs> That's right. every day. Uh, and then they were trying it at school, which you'll hear about in future episodes. They were trying to talk other boys into going into the adventures with them. So uh, definitely that, that was, especially when you're getting towards the end of the school year, as it was just a few days left in the school year for Hannibal schools. Uh, they were, they were definitely planning their summer out and you can definitely tell that in the, the days to come. Yeah, and so when we look at the boys, then we have to look at the boys' families, and very different, very different um, setup, very different dynamic. You have Joey and you have uh, Billy, who are a part of a uh, eleven siblings, right? So, and then where you have Craig Dow, a little bit different. Yeah, very different, um, and, and m- multiple reasons for that too. Uh, the Dow family was. And again, we're having a hard time, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but we're having a hard time. It's easy to find stuff about the Hogue family, and it's easy to find uh, all the brothers and sisters. We have all the names of all the brothers and sisters, all 11 of them we were able to track down. And, and Mike and Helen Hogue were the, the parents of the Hogue family. But for the Dow family, it's a little bit different. The only name that's ever brought up in any of the reports or any of the books that have been published is Helen. Uh, there's no name uh, mention of, of the father. Uh, so we assume that she was a single parent, but it could have been possible that uh, there was a, a husband from a different father, stepfather, sure. that was in the family. And, and we kind of do know that because we mentioned the 11 siblings for the Hogue family. We do know there were some siblings for Craig's family, and that was Mike. And then there was a stepbrother that was Bill Dean. Um, so he did have a different last name than uh, Craig did. So... Uh, again, we don't know how the exact setup for that was, but we can assume that that Helen was either a single parent or was married to another man. We had the opportunity to actually eat at the Becky Thatcher Cafe, uh, me and yourself. And I, you know, we had gotten through the book, but I guess I kind of overlooked the fact that Helen was actually at one point a cook there. Yeah. That's kind of eerie in and of itself. You know, sometimes the ghost of the past. And then... Um, 
when you're looking at the Hogue family, as you as you go more into you know all the siblings of the Hogue family, it just still feels like the, the Dow family and the Hogue family were very middle class, uh, slightly below blue collar American. Where when you try to do a lot of the research, you know, inside of ancestry and stuff, it's it's tougher to find it with middle class families than it is wealthier families. And definitely, maybe maybe more so with the Dow family than the Hogue family. The reason I say that is because uh, the Hogue family actually had a business they owned. That's right. And uh, the the tavern that was located on Main Street in downtown Hannibal was a popular establishment. It, they offered food and, and beverages, and um, it was a, it was a, a great little place for them that uh, that they worked for. Mike and Helen both worked there quite often. It was iconic. I mean, even one of the other brothers of um, so Fred Hogue, which was Mike's dad, he starts it. So it's a it's a two generation at this point tavern. And there's a great picture on our Facebook right now with the, uh, the the father and the two sons. Mike's brother. Okay. So. Okay. Well, and it's ironic. You you, you mentioned Fred. Um, out of those eleven children we were talking about, Fred is actually one of the children's names as well. So there is a Fred in the family, and then also there is a Mike Junior, what they called Mickey. Uh, mm-hmm. He was also in the family as well. So it's kind of funny that uh, they definitely carried on the family name with uh, the different. Uh, different kids as well and, and if you have 11 kids <laughs> yeah i mean you want to kind of keep it as easy as simple right I mean, well you, i think you might run out of ideas after a while too. yeah it's like we're on our 11th and it's just yeah. i mean it, really when you do the math too i mean it that's a lot i mean some people say that you know after the fourth child it, it's just it doesn't matter if you have 11 or 15 11 people are still a lot of people to feed and when you have just your own business that can become cumbersome for a family. And they dwell on the older ones to take care of the younger ones. So there's that whole cycle within the house. And and this is what you'll see here in the, in the coming weeks of the episodes where you have brothers, you have siblings that are looking for other siblings and feeling responsible for the loss of those kids. So that definitely comes into it. When you look, also look at the Hogue family, as far as like the bar or the tavern's concerned, it doesn't stay open that long after yeah it's a it's it's a very uh, we and we researched this uh, in our uh, last visit to hannibal the the bar according to the directory was open in 1967 now the the phone directories for the area were only done every other year so there's no phone directory for 1968 however when you look at 1969 when you go to that area for hoag's tavern it doesn't exist anymore um so reason to believe and and some other research we've kind of done has led to that conclusion that that something happened in that time frame where it closed now obviously we know something did happen in that time frame now was that a, a results or uh, was was the results of that cause for the rest or the, the tavern to close or was there other circumstances we don't know the answer to that um, but it is very interesting that time frame too there was a dynamic that changed in the family where uh, that 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 uh, business was no longer there yeah. and and that bar was on Main Street mm-hmm. and uh, today it's it's something else it's not even a, a tavern anymore and you could see it's in a good stretch of land right in front of the museum, right? Yep. I mean, it's right there in the heart of Main Street. It's a neighborhood that all the families know the families. And this is would become big when they start looking for the boys. I think that you start to see the close-knit values of a real community kind of coming together. Everybody knew these boys. These guys were polite. They were friendly. They weren't, you know, the, 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 you know, the negative kids on the block that would, you know, throw rocks through windows. They were more about the exploring of the city in their town. 
So as we leave the families, as we understand a little bit more about uh, Billy and Joey and Craig's upbringing and the people that they're around most of the time, we go more into the deep dive, I guess, inside the caves. When when we're looking at, um, and for people that are just not from Missouri, right? We, we saw our stats today. There are people that are out in California listening to us in Texas. Um, trying to understand Missouri as a state, right? I think we mentioned in the first episode, it is now the second state with the most cave systems in 7,300. It's still right underneath Tennessee, but they're finding caves every day. Um, for these boys, however, who the Hogs live in front of the Dowls, and uh, right behind them is caves. <laughs> right in front, to the left, to the right, right. maybe behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're basically, they're squared in. One of the interesting tidbits about I would say uh, Joey is one of the gifts that he gets from his mom, which is his shovel, right? And I think he borrows his dad's flashlight at this point. So you know that's probably one of those police magnums at that point. And it just shows you that they are kind of condoning the exploring. I'm sure when you have 11 kids and it's summer and school's not in, there's that. You have to have something to do. Right. (laughs) And um, so I think the best way to do this, Chris, is actually we'll kind of go through the week, not the caves per se, but actually what happened Monday, May 8th. So we know that on Wednesday, uh, May 10th, they go missing and we have episodes dedicated to that. But what happens a couple days before that? So let's start with Monday, May 8th. And, and actually, Frank, before I get, we get into that, I do want to point out that this this coming up in the, in the next few episodes it's going to get kind of, it, you may have a headache after you get done listening to this episode or the episode. Because we have headaches. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of information and, and from the reports that we have and the information we have, you we have to piece it together and, and it may sound confusing at times, but we want to make sure you have every fact in front of you. So keep that in mind. So if you get confused Feel free to 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 rewind a little bit on the on the on this uh, podcast and listen to it again. Kind of lay it out because all these points, even though there's so much information, each part is so critical in, in, in going to that last moment of when we know that they were around. So keep that in mind. Absolutely, I think that you know we've said it before. The big, you know, the high profile pie in the sky idea here is to do a documentary, is to put out something, and I think that. You can't have conjecture. And we are constantly researching our own work, looking at our last episode, make sure that we hit everything on the head. We didn't make any mistakes. And that looked good. And so the same for this one. I mean, we actually recorded this once before, and then we had to stop and be like, all right, we got some stuff wrong here. Let's do it again. So we're going to constantly be over analytical with the stuff that we're doing. But also, we're encouraging our listeners, the ones that follow us on Facebook, which just kind of blew up. We're almost at 300 followers, which is awesome. To please reach out on that page, start a conversation, um, especially when you hear about what, what Chris was just discussing about, you know, how intense this information is. And so if we have to do something slower, if we have to go back over something, I think that's a good time to do it. So that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we'll try putting some of this information on on there too as we go along because it is going to be pretty pretty in-depth. So, But we'll try getting you some more information in, in physical form as well. But we'll uh, get started. We have added the gallery section to our website. That's lostboysofhannibal.com. So if you've been on the website and you're checking out the website, we've added a gallery section. We're going to start uploading photos as our podcast increases in episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Monday, May 8th. Uh, it's first day back at school after uh, after a good weekend. And uh, construction, Highway 79, the, the road cuts, as you will hear us say, and as um, investigators back in 1967 called it, it was the Highway 79 road cut that we talked about in the last episode of them constructing this new road. Well, they've been bulldozing and blasting this very thick limestone rock area out of the hill so they can make this road easier to uh, get up and down. And uh, some very curious boys that you know their names by now, Billy, Joey and Craig uh, decide they want to go check things out and go see what's happening. So after school, they head up to Lover's Leap and uh, watch the workers on the new road. Well, as the earth movers are going back and forth, they look down and they see what other than a cave entrance opening up. A new cave entrance. A new cave entrance. And, well, what are we going to do? We're going to go in the cave. We're going to go in the cave. <laughs> so they wait for an opportunity. And keep in mind, these earth movers, uh, bulldozers, they're going back and forth during this time period. And the kids see an opportunity and they go running down the terrace and they go into the hole. So they explore it. They find some areas that are 10 feet tall. They find some areas that are six feet wide. They find some areas that they have to get on their hands and knees to crawl through. This is a pretty vast cave area uh-huh. and the temperature is 52 degrees yep so it's cold in there and i'm sure that on a hot may day like may 8th you know going in there felt good in the beginning but <laughs> right. the further they went down and the more they had to stop and squeeze the chill was probably getting to them right so after a few minutes uh, after a little bit of time spent in the uh, this cave which they're able to um they're able to just like slide into there's a there's enough debris uh in this opening where they don't need a ladder they don't need uh, any equipment they're able just to kind of slide right into this opening so they're able to get out without a relative uh, issue and uh, they head home but before they head home they as they're getting out of the cave a worker spotted them and says this is a dangerous place for you kids you need to go home or you'll get hurt so that was monday may so now we have a little bit of the old centurions out there, right? The sentries kind of guarding the area, but also working the road. But now that they've caught a kid in the holes, you would think, you would think that they would put something up. They would put something or cover stuff. I mean, today when we do the construction, and a lot of people that live out here, when you do a lot of the road construction here in St. Louis, they put metal, steel metal plates that you cannot lift because hmm. they know that's 30, 20 feet down. And, and at this point, that becomes a very important thing so you should remember the the road workers here kind of yelling at the kids yeah and, and and that that's but unfortunately 1967 that is your metal grate is the is them yelling at the kids exactly <laughs> so the metal grate is coming from bush yeah. you know yeah, exactly that, on the excavator so yeah that's that is what happens on monday may 8th and one of the things i do want to point out real quick and i didn't mention this before was that this information that we have uh, it actually came from a report filed from uh, william karras who we'll talk about down the road uh this file the report was filed to the hannibal police department back in 1967 i believe it was december of 67 this report came out and that uh, the boys would slip in and out according to this report of the cave system multiple times and doing so while equipment was passing overhead that is something to keep in mind. So, Frank, we move to Tuesday. Yep. I mean, nothing uh, significantly. Uh, this is the thing that's in my burning head, too, is what time did they get home on Monday? Oh, the great question. Yeah. Great question. Because I want to know what their timing is usually 
when they're doing this exploratory because that looked like they were all the way on top of Lover's Leap, looked down, saw the hole, jumped in the hole, came back out, and they are filthy, they are dirty, but nobody notices anything on, on Monday. Not on Monday. But on Tuesday, the story is a little bit different. Cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about Tuesday. So Tuesday, the boys return to the hillside and they decide they're going to go exploring again in this road cut area. Um, this time... They weren't alone. It wasn't just Craig, Joey, and Billy. They brought some friends with them. This time it was David Bentley and Ray Ward. Both of them came along for this adventure. And it's uh, also, um, they didn't come empty-handed this time. They were able to slide in last time in, in, into one of the holes, but they they had, <laughs> it's funny if you think about it. These kids were like, you knew they were at school Tuesday saying, okay, you're going to bring the ladder. <laughs> I'll bring the shovel. <laughs> Somebody bring flashlights, maybe a ball of yarn, you know, something that you would think that they would need. And yeah, they're, they're, they say like there's a collusion going on in the, in the school playground that day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no, probably no process of actually learning that day. It was probably more just planning. Exactly. <laughs> but we do know, uh, according to David and Ray that they did bring a ladder with them. Uh, the reason being is because one of the holes that they discovered the previous day, it was pretty deep and they wouldn't have been able just to slide in like they did with the other holes. So they brought the ladder in. So they were able to get into this hole. Luckily on this day, as we mentioned yesterday, those earth movers and bulldozers, they were cleaning the area out. Well, they weren't on Tuesday. So they were pretty lucky that they didn't have to worry about it. And that was because they were, I guess one of them was broke down and the other one they weren't using at the time. Um, so the boys were able to get into these holes without any problems. So that's pretty much it. That's what we know. There is some more. Uh, and fortunately, when they get home, it's a little bit different story the than it was last different. night. They might have, maybe that ladder cost them some time getting back out there. And But, you know, the thing that, that's really, I guess, really surprising to me is the fact that they're not using balls of yarn. They, no. they are kind of going, and that's, that's if you're not, you know, familiar with um, speleological type of, uh, you know, cave hunting and spelunking and all these different things, when you're exploring caves, the darkness is very different. There, there's no photons, right? There's nothing coming from any light. So you don't have them in even in your eyes. And so what cavers use is a ball of yarn or a ball of twine, and they tie it from the entrance all the way through. And we don't see this, but if, but if these kids are in there, even on Tuesday, you know, for an hour, they're pretty smart about how to get back out. I, would, I mean, that just might be their own little experience because, you know, if these guys are in there, if they started exploring caves when they're seven and they're doing it now when they're 13 – you know, six, five, five, six years in the caves, their older brothers and stuff like that. Nobody knows about the yarn trick. It just feels like they, they really have a fearlessness about them um, when they're going into these caves. So it's just something to keep in mind. Like, how are they getting back out? You know, yeah. when you go into these maze caves, as you talked about last time, these city blocks. Well, I'm not sure exactly how well the the story would have been known by by Billy and Joel and Craig, but it was just a few years before that that another uh, two brothers uh, got lost. I believe his two brothers got lost in the caves, and they were using the yarn. But then they got there was to three the, of them. There was three. There was they three. got to the end of the yarn, and they thought. We'll be okay. Let's we can keep wing going. it from here. Yeah. So, and they ended up getting lost. Well, so what happened with them is their their um, their candles went out, mm. and their flashlight went out, and they were in the dark, and they couldn't. So what they did was they worked their way back to try to find the the twine on the floor, and that's how they got out. And the one kid to this day never went back into a cave. Hmm. That's the one they left behind. Yeah. And so he was there by himself in the darkness with nothing. Right. And I think they were just so. It just goes to show you that. Uh, and they were gone for a long time. 
you know, six hours in there. Mm-hmm. So the chill was definitely being, when they return home this time, you yeah. know, so they get out of their cave and however they did it, they found a way out. Um, it's not the quiet home reception. No, it is not on the return home. We don't know about Craig's background, what exactly happened, but we do know what happened with Billy and Joel. They got scolded. Uh, as mom and dad uh, saw how uh, dirty they were and uh, found out where they were, they got reprimanded pretty bad. And, and there's actually a report, or actually a story, uh, an interview uh, in one of the books that uh, we'll talk about, uh, Lost Boys and Hannibal books, uh, that talks about uh, Sister Debbie recalling that uh, meeting or recalling that uh, disciplinarian, <laughs> the disciplinarian of the father yes. of Mike Hogue here. Um, but he, she recalled uh, recalled to them saying, if you go in to those if you uh, excuse me if you go into those again you're going to get your motor oiled and of course what that meant back in that day was exactly you're gonna get you're gonna get paddled you can almost do like a, a book on euphemisms on how you know your butt would be spanked right you know right my parents used to say you're gonna get your beans baked you yeah know? <laughs> i always got got threatened to be sold to the indians i, I never understood <laughs> what that one was but it's appropriation thing now. yeah um anyway so they did get scolded they knew uh not to go they weren't supposed to go in there they were all dirty their clothes were all dirty uh, mom was not happy about that because they were their good clothes they were the good clothes so um another interesting fact about that day uh is that although we don't know the timeline of when uh we do know that the boys did explore murphy's cave that same day mm-hmm. um and let's get into murphy's cave just a little bit. we'll talk about it a little bit more later but we wanted to tell you that murphy's cave was opened at that time and murphy's cave is a cave that is um so if you're looking at the river from from joey and billy's house the cutouts to the right in Murphy's caves to the left, just to put it in simple terms. Sure. Uh, so Murphy's cave to the left was being opened up because of making this road. And we mentioned this last episode too, but making this road, it opened up some holes. So we know that based off of the report, which is very, again, you kind of have to kind of dig and kind of go back and forth to figure out this information. But we know that they went to Murphy's cave due to the fact that John Bramlett, who we'll discuss in the next episode, went to borrow a flashlight from Mrs. Dryden. Mrs. Dryden lives on Sycamore street. Again, digging in deeply. She dry, she lives on Sycamore street, which is right across the road from Murphy's cave. And, and from that understanding, also knowing that Johnny was with them at that time, um, or was getting the flashlight to give them again. It, we don't know the exact circumstances, but we do know that the five boys at this point in time did go into Murphy's cave at some point in time on Tuesday on yes, on May 9th, because on May 10th, um, I think that flashlight we you just talked about, I think it was hard to come by. And so they end up just taking Mike's flashlight, which would be uh, uh, Joey and Billy's dad. They right. just take his flashlight. Um, and once again, it probably was a time saver. Yeah. So that pretty much wraps up Tuesday, May 9th. As you know, um, they so to recap, they we they went and explored the road cut caves. They went and explored Murphy's cave a little bit, and they went home and got yelled at. Basically the scolding. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just also goes to show you, I mean, like they they get scolded Tuesday, they're back in the caves on May 10th. And um this really kind of just shows you like how interested these boys were and how much deeper they run. So understanding the caves is going to help you too to understand the the boys. Yeah. 
So as you as we're in your car or even in your living room and you're listening to me and Chris, the one thing I want you to know about Chris is Chris is a statistics guy. And so he has a little chart and we can't really name the names yet of all the <laughs> suspects and all the different scenarios that we've been doing on our own half. But one of the things that we're going to do and how we're going to leave off in this episode is we're actually going to give you um, some cave stats. Um, that we've put together that are pretty amazing. So, Chris, you want to take it from here? I'm completely okay with you calling me a stat geek, too. Let's just clear the air on that. If you want to call me a stat geek... That's the next podcast. (laughs) Stat geek. (laughs) Stat geek. (laughs) Don't steal my idea. Um, So, yeah, let's talk about about the cave system and Hannibal and some of the stats that go with this. I'm going to try so hard to get this right. <laughs> Speleological? Speleological. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Speleological. It's All right. like an Italian dish. The Missouri Speleological Survey. Did I get it? Yeah, you got it. it. Sounded good. Uh, announced that uh, just recently, uh, we did have an update from 2016 saying it was around 7,000. Now a new update just came out saying there's 7,300 explored and documented caves in the state of Missouri. It's amazing. We're, we're creeping toward uh, Tennessee. Very crazy. Uh, so just to give you, that's a lot of caves. Now, the caves is, or the area that we're talking about, when we talk about Hannibal, Missouri, uh, Hannibal, Missouri is located in northeast Missouri. It is also, if you want to break it down to a county area, it is in the southeast corner of Marion County. Right down below it, in some of the caves that we're going to talk about coming up, which is within... Uh, probably if you had a good enough arm, you can throw us, throw a, a rock at it, mm-hmm. um, is uh, Rawls County. And so those two areas are kind of the counties that we're talking about. Now in Marion County, according to the MSS, I cheated, uh, <laughs> is that uh, there's 23 documented caves in the, in the county, uh, in Marion County. In Rawls County, the county to the south, there's 48 documented case, uh, caves in that area. Um, and by the way, a new dis- cave was just recently discovered in 2016. Uh, so it uh, just tells you how recent that they're finding new caves in this area. So again, there is a ton of caves. Crazy. Crazy. And uh, the kids today, I mean, you're just, you know, uh, the known caves, of course, are the Mark Twain cave. That was That's a public cave. Yeah, it was a public cave. Um, it is actually Missouri's first show cave. It was founded in uh, 1886. Uh, and, or excuse me, it was first became a show cave in 1886. It was discovered, ironically enough, 200 years ago this year. So in 1819 was when Mark Twain Cave dis- was discovered. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now, Mark Twain Cave is, again, one of those, is one of those caves, if not actually two of the caves, that is literally uh, maybe a little bit more than a stone's throw away from the Highway 79 cutout that we're talking about. Uh, it is actually, you go, so... At the base is, uh, so let's say this little valley is where um, is where the Dowls and Hogs live. You go up a hill, you go down the hill, and there's Mark Twain Cave. Yeah, it's literally, and it's a, at that point, I don't know how exciting it was for the boys. It was a show cave, and it was all, you know, then they started doing electric, so they run on lights all the way through it. But Cameron Cave, which is the other cave discovered in 1925, is the third largest Mave cave in the Northern Hemisphere. Covering 18 acres. Yeah, it's huge. That's insane. Yes, it's a it's a big cave. And by the way, I do want to point out, if you want to go explore either one of these caves, they're open to the public. Cameron Cave, by the way, has a uh, tour where you go like the whole day throughout the cave. So it's very cool. Uh, so those are the known caves. Let's talk about real quick the unknown caves. The fun ones, yeah. Yeah. So we've already mentioned the Highway 79 Cuts, which uh, will have a name. This cave gets a name. 
uh, down the road. We'll it sure does. We'll leave that for another episode. Uh, there's also the Sixth Street Cave, which is a pretty small passage. It's only about 200 feet deep uh, into the side of one of these hills. Yuri's Cave is another one. And then, as we mentioned, Murphy's Cave. And just to give you a quick overview of Murphy's Cave, um, it was named after property owner Cornelius Murphy, who owned a grocery store at Walnut and Birch Streets. By the way, the grocery store is still there. The building, the building the is building still is there, there today. Yeah. Uh, not a grocery store anymore, but the building is. Uh, the maze cave, it is a maze cave. It stretches over 9,500 feet. And uh, all entrances before the construction of Highway 79 were closed off in the 1960s following the incident that we talked about earlier with the three boys. So all those entrances were closed off. Yep. And then it would be reopened by the cut. By the cut. And that's where our next episode kind of begins on Wednesday, May 10th, uh, 1967. Not a fun day. It's not what we've just described. And unfortunately, the episodes in and of itself are not the happiest episodes. They're they're sad. They're dark. You have to prepare yourself. And it gets long-winded. And so we've decided to break it up in two parts. Please join us for those. Um, from all of us here at the uh, Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast, I'm Frankie Campoletta. And I'm Chris Ketters. We'll see you next episode. I'm just beginning to see Now I'm on my way It doesn't matter to me Chasing the clouds away